Let me read from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pastures. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Friends, the reading of God's word. I want to just briefly this morning develop what I think is a theology of church music. Now, when we say theology, we talk about theo, God, ology, the study of. So we're talking ultimately about the study of God, but theology breaks into all kinds of other areas as we look at the implications of the study of God in different aspects of our lives. And so I want to look at how God should, and who he is, influence the way we approach church music and hymns and singing and caroling. So why is God in the scriptures so often accompanied by singing? In the Psalms, it constantly says stuff like we just read. Enter his presence with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. There is all kinds of singing when angels show up. There's spontaneous singing and dancing in the life of David. Well, in the Bible, God's presence is so holy and so awesome that people and angels are just forced to break into singing because mere words can't do anything about it. Does anybody in here watch musicals or you've watched musicals? I always loved in musicals how, you know, two people are talking and they just met and then they break into a song and dance that's harmonized and perfectly choreographed. They both know the words, right? Just kind of break into this song. That's not how life is. But it is how heaven is. Because whatever's going on in heaven, all the focus is on God. And when we, all of a sudden we see God, we hear about the story of God, we understand all that God has done in our lives through sending Jesus into the world, through his death and resurrection on the cross, through the spirit at work within our lives, we just jump up and start singing. And somehow in heaven, I don't know if there's a hymnal in heaven or what is going on up there, but everybody just kind of sings. And it says, make a joyful noise. It doesn't say necessarily make a nice one, right? It doesn't necessarily mean make a harmonized one or one that's perfectly on pitch. On pitch, it just means make a joyful noise. So we don't all sing in church. I'm having this interesting experience that I, I can't sing like I like to because I have no high end in my voice right now. Still kind of getting that back from being sick. And it's weird to be able to sing but not be able to sing but I'm telling you, we all just need to start practicing because that's what we're going to do for eternity. When you're in God's presence, that seems to be what happens in the Bible. The Bible has this wide range of psalms and moods and songs, all these different attributes. Think about this. If God is infinite, then there's got to be an infinite number of things about God that we can sing about and praise him over. There's got to be an infinite number of ways that we can sing and instruments that we can use and voices that we can lift up. If God's infinite, then the songs about God have to be infinite 
2. And I think if you start to understand how the singing, how the music influences our lives, it makes even more sense. God's, God's holiness influences us so much, and the singing about God does as well. Music is naturally ordered and predictable. There's timing. There's rules to singing. If I just played for you a bunch of random noises, a dump truck backing up, and a baby laughing, and a dog barking, and nails on a chalkboard, your mind would go, ah, and you'd be overwhelmed by all these sounds. But when it follows certain rules, certain, certain guidelines, then it makes sense. And we say, ah, that's music. And life is not like that, is it? Is life very ordered and predictable? You think it is until suddenly it's not, right? But somehow in our mind we know life should be more. If God is God, then life should not be the chaotic mess that it sometimes is. And the music reminds us of that somehow. Music also helps us to learn. When you listen to things, you automatically edit them. Okay? When I tell you something, right now in your brain it's going through a filter. And you're saying, eh, that's not true. Oh, that's true. Oh, I've seen that, but that doesn't make any sense to me at all. You're doing all this editing. Music helps turn off the editing. Did you know this? Music in your brain actually turns off that editing function. I can prove it. Have you ever been singing a song and realized that you're singing a song, but you're not even thinking about the words? Or have you ever been singing a song and realized, man, that's a really terrible song, right? Or your kids or grandkids, it's worse. It's like, what are you singing about? You don't even realize that you're singing about something, but you're singing about it. This is bad, right, when we get bad messages in our head from the singing. But it's really great when we start learning about God because it helps us to understand and accept things in a different way because not only are we hearing them through music, but we're participating in singing them, right? I can talk to you about amazing grace, and you can hear what that means and whatever, but when we all sing it together, it's a different feel of amazing grace, isn't it? Yeah. Because you're participating in it. And you're not just participating in it. You're participating in it together. Caroling and singing in worship teaches us about community. Not only that we're here, but that we connect to a tradition. Isn't it kind of neat to hear the background to some of these carols? You forget sometimes that these carols were once new songs that somebody wrote. That somebody didn't like and didn't want sung in church. You forget that this part of this tradition, when we sing these songs, when we sing these lyrics, and so many of our lyrics are actually out of the Bible, we are singing with the tradition before us, those who have gone on ahead of us. It used to be that you learned, how many of you remembered singing in school? Did you have to learn to sing in school? You had to learn how to read music. Most of us forgot it, but you had to at least pretend like you knew what you were doing with it. And you learn how to sing in parts, right? High parts, low parts, middle parts. Everybody kind of understood. But you had a place. You realized when you sang with other people that you weren't alone. Even more than that, I wonder if singing in harmony teaches us to appreciate the differences among us. That when we sing, you know, harmony only works when you and I sing different things. But we live in a world today that is avoiding harmony. Churches, families, political parties, 
try to homogenize instead of harmonize. Try to make everybody sing the same instead of singing different things and allowing the different things to contrast each other and make each other better. I wonder if we've missed something because we don't sing harmonies anymore. We live in a church and we live in a world that needs those harmonies. And what we end up doing is just dividing. So we have church for the altos and we have church for the basses. And this is the political party for the sopranos. And you just... But we don't mix. And mixing is important. And singing teaches us that. Of course, there's a challenge here, right? There are different types of songs. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So in Paul's language, there were the psalms. You sing some of the psalms. But there were also hymns. Sort of these theological things that you would sing from the tradition that were being written. And then there were spiritual songs. Sort of choruses, maybe, that were a little more repetitive, that made you, made you think and pray a little differently, rather than have the meaning and depth of some of the theology of the hymns and the psalms. There's also different styles of music, right? A lot of us like different styles and different artists and different people. Church is full of different people that have different preferences on what they like. This makes it very challenging, doesn't it? Because what somebody likes, somebody might also really not like. What somebody finds moving in worship, another person might really not like. But the problem is, we're all here. So we could homogenize, we could go our separate ways, or we can deal with each other. And isn't it interesting? The music can cause really great fights in churches and between peoples. But music also has this amazing ability to bring people together, to accept one another. And so we've tried to do that in our church a little bit. You've heard different styles. You've heard a lot of hymns and a lot of songs you're familiar with. Some new songs, some organs, some guitar, a harmonica today, right? We've tried some different stuff. Why? Because you all are different. Because we're all different. And if God is all really infinite, if God is really infinite, there's so much about God, then, then, then surely... There's different styles of music that, that need to be sung to be praised to God, right? And there's different lyrics. There's the, and and the, that's just got to happen. It's the way it is. Not because we all like it, but because that's who God is. And singing has this ability to build this community. It helps us when we sing together to be together. Caroling does that too. We did some caroling, a couple of us on Monday, a few of us from the church. And we went around uh, just to a couple places around here and sang. It was a great time. But you know, nobody does that anymore. When's the last time you went caroling or had somebody carol at your door? So we were down on, uh, I don't know, it's, it's Betty and Judy in Maryland, 4th, down on 4th Street here. We were walking down, we were between houses, and uh, a couple of people popped their heads out the window. They had heard carolers down the road. It's two houses right next to each other. So we were all walking to the next house. And somebody in the back said, wait. So we came back and sang carols to these two families. We didn't know at all. We didn't know them at all. But they turned on their lights and came out. So we sang a few songs and then went on our way. And it was amazing the joy that that brought. And both those families had little kids. And those little kids had never been caroled before. Caroled to before, I guarantee. See, music doesn't just bring us together. It helps bring us it helps bring the world together. You can share Christ's love with other people when you hear these songs. 
And I feel like it gets manipulated at Christmas, right? Because when they play it at Walmart, it's not to bring you together or to put you in the Christmas spirit. When they play it in the mall, it's to get you in a shopping mood, not in a Christmas spirit. But it has the ability to do that. And I think hymns and carols and songs are good for your faith. Do you know music helps with your memory? Okay, you probably can't remember all the math you learned in high school, but I bet you remember a ton of songs. I bet you remember a ton of songs. I bet you every carol we sang today, you may not have known the third verse, but you knew the first one. Because there's a reason why you sing the ABCs with kids, because they learn it faster when you sing it. My kids, I'll tell you when I learned the power of singing and memory, is when my kids started learning jingles from commercials. There's no, it's not an accident that these marketers put little jingles in there, right? When I heard my kids upstairs singing, um, we are farmers, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> or I, we were driving, I don't remember where we were, this was a few years back, kids were all, were all little, and I said, gosh, should we stop at Subway? And they started going, five, five dollar, five dollar foot long, right? Because we remember songs. In fact, do you know with patients with dementia, often one of the last things that go are the music, the poetry, and the prayers of their lives. You can have people with dementia, if they were Catholic their whole life, they may not be able to talk, but they can pray the rosary. Music is one of the last things to go in people's minds. I remember um, I knew this martial artist named Dr. Tamper, and Dr. Tamper was a really great martial artist, but in, in his old age, he got, he got very crippled. And he couldn't, he couldn't barely move. He moved very slowly everywhere. But he could go out, and if he was going to do a form, you know, in karate, you do these forms, he could do it perfect. Perfect. All of a sudden, his posture was great. It's called muscle memory. The guy had just worked those forms so much. Once he got in that mode, the muscle memory was there. Church music is the muscle memory of our faith. Church music is the muscle memory of our faith. If you are having a bad day, start singing Amazing Grace and see if you stay in a bad day. Start singing these old hymns and see if you can stay in a bad day because you can't do it. Because your faith is trained to get picked up by those hymns. It's It's a rock. It's an anchor. You understand that? I learned this from Ruth Sams. Ruth could not really speak in the time that I knew her. She would come to church here, and then, and then eventually she could not do that anymore. But she could not really speak. Yes, no, uh, basic words, but she could sing. Those hymns were so clear to her, she could sing along with Amazing Grace. She could do three-quarters of the Lord's Prayer with me. Three-quarters of the Lord's Prayer. Could not speak in sentences, could do three-quarters of the Lord's Prayer. That was, so, that was such a muscle memory for her that it stuck with her. Could not speak, but could sing hymns. I remember I used to go see Phil Dalby, and uh, Phil Dalby, at the end of his life, was struggling with a nursing home, and as, as often can happen there, was, would get depressed. And so I'd come in, and he was sort of really saying to me about all this terrible stuff that was happening there, that there's no way was happening there. And I remember the first time I called some of his family members to say, is this true? And they said, no, he just gets like this. And I would try to talk to him about the church, I'd try to place who I was and wouldn't work. But if we started to sing, it would turn him around right away. It would turn him around right away. 
Some of you don't went to used to sing with him too. And I couldn't really sing. I don't really sing very well. And at that point, he really couldn't sing very well either. And so if you passed in the hallway, it probably was terrible. I mean, there's no recording sessions of me and Phil. It's just not. Um, but we were making a joyful noise, and it was powerful. Music does that. And the Christmas season, you see it, right? The Christmas carols sort of carry. And you just feel, if you don't sing away in a manger, you feel wronged, right? Because the music helps. But I want to tell you that it's not just at Christmas that this happens. That it's year-round. That the songs can do that. Your whole year, I'm telling you, your life. You can make these music, this music the soundtrack of your life. And maybe you like the hymns more. Maybe you like the praise songs more. Whatever you like, we're going to try to get a little bit in here for you. But make it the soundtrack of your life because it has this amazing power to carry you when times are difficult. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the songs, the carols, the traditions of our faith. And I pray... Lord, for those of us that are down, that you would pick us up with this music. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.